This is Legacy Bell. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever you're listening on right now. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Bell. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Athletics, Kevin Adams, Steelers Nation South, Rollo Cawthon. Our special guest tonight, we're joined by a 16-year NHL defenseman, played for nine teams, including three teams that we're going to discuss in tonight's debate. Also, the, the Penguins, of course, you see the Mighty Ducks behind me is on there. You played for uh, Ottawa, San Jose, Detroit. So, good list of teams there. He's a plus 31 on his NHL career. And knowing some of the teams that he played on, that's pretty impressive. So, he's got two gold medals, uh, one from the 85 Junior Championships and the 94 World Championships representing Canada. He was taken 14th in the 1993 expansion draft. We got defenseman Bobby Dallas here. Bobby, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Awesome. So tonight's debate, everyone, check this. This is an interesting topic here. We're going to be debating expansion teams of the 90s and which team was the best in the 90s. So we've chosen our four out of the, the five teams that had, uh, or six teams, excuse me, that had come in. National Predators didn't come in until 98, so they didn't have a lot of time in the 90s. Of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they may be the best team now for the last several 10 years, maybe. But in the 90s, they, they were not very good. And uh, you can go back in our archives, check out what Dan Poopa had to say and Peter Tagliolinetti as well. They, they both were on some of the game Lightning teams. But we're going to jump into our debate. We'll have our Q&A after for Bobby about his career. And we're going to start this out with the Florida Panthers. All right, the Florida Panthers. Um Came into the league 93-94 for their inaugural season. Uh, they made Miami a four-sport city. That was pretty significant. Um, looking at the results of their first seven seasons, uh, I think they make a great case to be our top expansion uh, team that we're talking about tonight. Uh, if you look at the average point totals per season, you've got the Sharks at 51, the Sens at 60, the Ducks at 72, and the Panthers are at a respectable 78.4. Also, those first seven seasons, they never finished last place in their division. Uh, Meanwhile, the Ducks took last twice. Uh, Both the Sharks and Sens took last four times each. Uh, In Florida's inaugural season, they were just one game under 500, uh, 33, 34, and 17, and they're 83 points. Uh, became the NHL expansion team record high, uh, which stood for the next 24 years until it was finally beaten by the Vegas Knights. Uh, In that first season, they established an identity very quickly when coach Roger Nielsen implemented the revolutionary form of defense called the neutral zone trap, a method used to prevent the opposition from entering the area between the blue lines, and it led to bundles of turnovers for the Panthers. Uh, That trap was on full display in the 1996 playoffs. Uh, First, the Panthers took out Adam Oates, Ray Bork, and the Boston Bruins in five games in the opening round. Next, they beat the top-seeded Flyers, minimizing Lindros, LeClaire, and company. And then they were able to upset Mario Lemieux's Pens uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, earning in just their third season a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Other cool aspects of this franchise, um, they spawned a wild goal celebration. Uh, Scott Mellonby literally killed a live rat with his hockey stick in the locker room. Prior to a game, he goes on to score two goals that night, and John Van Beesbrook uh, coined the term rat trick. Next thing you know, the Florida fans are throwing rubber rats on the ice after every goal. Uh, And how about the original logo for the Panthers? I always thought it looked really awesome. You got the snarling panther, you know, jumping right at you, leading with the sharpened claws. So we've got the most consistent uh, uh, success. We've got the deepest uh, postseason run. We've got revolutionary defense, got the rat trick, and we got a badass logo. So you got to go with the Panthers tonight. So, Bobby, we we know that when you start goaltending, I'm looking at the four teams we're going to discuss tonight, and – in the expansion drafts, I don't think anyone got a better goalie to start off than John Van Breesbrook. So what, what are your thoughts on that and, and the Florida Panthers run there in the 90s? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, the, the difference between the Florida Panthers and the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, which was the same year, is that the Florida Panthers went with a lot of veteran guys. Uh, the, you know, t- 
Anaheim went with a little bit younger team, guys that were uh, fourth line guys, young youth, more of a youth movement, plus a very tough hockey team. We decided uh, that they wanted to be tough. We had, we had pound for pound, probably one of the toughest team, if not the toughest team in the league. And we proved it playing in the Western Conference against some of the, the big time tough guys. We had Stu Grimson and Todd Ewan and uh, Robin Bauer, a whole, whole bunch of tough guys able to play a different game. I think Florida did play very well for a certain time, but what happened with uh, with Florida is they ended up hitting a wall really quick after those guys started to get a little bit older and all of a sudden they just fell off the map. You know, where I think we're Anaheim, myself personally, I think they started to steadily, steadily had a plan. You know, they had a good foundation with uh, Korea and Solani, and then they just built up from there. You know, Guy Bear. I mean, you, you guys, you know, John Van Biesburg a lot more being on the East Coast, but Kia Bear ended up being an all-star himself, a top-notch goalie for a long, long time. You know, in the expansion year, we had Ron Tugnut, who was was tradable material, ended up getting a good player for him also, which was a great goalie. So uh, it was a pretty solid team. It just took a little bit of time for, you know, the Timu and, and, and Korea show to take off. Uh, now, the difference is... I don't think there's much of a difference. I think both teams were fairly successful early, especially in merchandising and, and, and exposure. Yeah. And, uh, and and to be biased, I think Southern California was a great place to play. It really <laughs> was, you know, owned by Disney. It really was a great place to play. I miss it every day, trust me. And, and what were your thoughts on the neutral zone trap? I personally was not a fan of it. The NHL did everything after that lockout in 05 to get rid of it. I mean, what were your thoughts on it as a system? Do you think it was bad for the NHL? Well, I, I think I think it was I think it was part of the growing of the NHL. And and why I say that, uh, when I first came in the league, everybody was doing two one two dump and chase forecheck because the arenas there was a lot more arenas that were a lot smaller ice surface. You know, the Boston Gardens, uh, the the Buffalo Buffalo Odd, uh, where else was there a Chicago Stadium? These places were like playing in a pinball machine. So a trap really wouldn't help in those scenarios because there was nowhere to go anyways. But what ended up happening is, you know, everybody had a standardized arena after a little while, a certain certain styles. And with expansion, it really thinned out, the, out we'll call it the caliber of player. And, and some teams that were weaker had no choice but to be competitive and to trap. If you didn't trap, you couldn't, you couldn't play against the top-notch teams back in the day. You know, we just talked about, you know, Pittsburgh got eliminated. There's no way Pittsburgh gets eliminated if the trap didn't exist. I mean, that's just the way that team was geared to play hockey. Edmonton Oilers, uh, you know, they ended, eventually started to get, you know, they got started to get beat out. Why? Because teams started playing tighter checking game. So the, the trap was part of the game. Uh, I think that what really changed the game, it, it was eliminating the red line. That's what really made the big difference. The stretch played. You could trap all you want. You could not make... You could get away with making one pass with the trap now with no red line. Before you could not. You had to tic-tac-toe it all the way out of the zone, which I think the passing was much better than today's passing. But now it's, you know, it's become a hybrid. And there's still a 1-2-2, two, two, but it's a different variation of it, right? It's a momentum 1-2-2. Two, two. It's not stationary. It's not plodding along. It's a little bit more forcing their teams to make mistakes but with a lot more speed coming at you. So it's the game has really transformed a lot. I, I personally, I miss a bit of the old part of the game. I enjoy a lot of the new part. I wish they could come up with a better scenario because I find it's, it's too much stretch passes for my, for my liking, which gets, which gets a li more limited player. Just turn your blade and just go four check. So that's, that's the part that I disagree with, but you can't have a perfect world, right? Right. Well, let's move on to our next team tonight, and that's going to be the uh, the oldest team we're talking about tonight uh, by one or two years there, San Jose Sharks. San Jose Sharks <clears throat> debuted in the 91-92 season, the, the season that my Penguins secured their back-to-back -back Stanley Cup title. Um, but with their first ever, first second, their first pick uh, ever, they picked Pat Falloon, and they debuted with Pat Falloon and future Hall of Famer Doug Wilson uh, that led that team. That team won 17 games their first season. <clears throat> and then they followed that up with 11 wins the next season. They 
have an NHL record 71 losses, 32 at home. But the following year, they made the playoffs. And in that, in that year, uh, they had the, one of the greatest upsets of all time. Uh, they got to face the Detroit Red Wings, who were the Western Conference points leader. Uh, they were the NHL's highest scoring team by, by, by 50 goals. And they took them to seven games. <clears throat> and in that seventh game, at Joe Louis Arena, the, uh, the Sharks on Jamie Baker's game-winning goal upset who many uh, had picked as the Stanley Cup uh, winner. Um, uh, Sergei Nabokov was the, the star of that series with six goals in seven games. But unfortunately, that run, that great, that great win, uh, followed up with uh, a loss to Toronto in the following round. But <clears throat> following that, that playoff, they made the playoffs next year. They missed it two years, but they had followed up with four straight uh, playoff appearances to end the 90s. Um, and despite losing 122, 129 games in their first two seasons, they actually led the NHL in merchandise sales. <clears throat> And they were second across all four major sports behind only the Chicago Bulls who were in their, their first part of their three-peat with arguably the world's most recognizable uh, athlete, Michael Jordan. So they were second They were second in, across all major sports leagues in merchandise sales. Um, they also, in 97-98, drafted uh, Patrick Marlowe, who is the NHL's all-time leader in uh, games played who passed Gordy Howe. Uh, and, <clears throat> you know, he's the, the Shark career leader in points, games played, power play goals, uh, and uh, obviously, um, obviously uh, games played. So, Sharks. So that upset of the Red Wings was so good, it made our uh, greatest upset show. Check that out in the archives with Darius Kasparitis. Bobby, San Jose Sharks, their first season, every time I looked at the scorecard, it was like 8-1, to 6-2, 10-3. It was not pretty in their first year, but they turned it around. I mean, what were your thoughts on the San Jose Sharks as a whole there in the 90s? They, they did get better. They kind of had a mix of young and old talent. It was a, a very unique team. Well, my, myself personally, I know we're, we're talking only about the 90s, but uh, even uh, even until today, until today, I believe the San Jose, San Jose Sharks have been the most underachieved organization in an expansion. And, and, and why I say that is, is, is they really never had an identity. They thought they had an identity and they still didn't have an identity. And, you know, they, they came very close in the last few years, but until that, really nobody ever really took them seriously. And, you know, I remember that playoff run you're talking about. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of guys had career years that year. They overachieved in, in a lot of ways. But as we all know, during the long term and the long runs, you know, the, you know, cream always rises to the top. So you, you saw that, the you know, they, 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 they overachieved one year. They finally made it to the playoffs and they went back to reality who they really were. And, and, that, and that was a team of mishmash players. Uh, I think they had... Uh, their coaching was a, a little bit suspect at times. Um, in, in my opinion, the really only thing I really remember remember a lot about the, the Sharks in the 90s is they had one of the toughest guys in the league, which was Link Gates. You know, I mean, that guy, before that car accident, he was a guy that I saw fight Bob Probert live, and it was like, wow, who is that guy, you know? And uh, But other than that, uh, they did they – did, make some good draft picks, pick up some, you know, Patty Marlowe and, and all those guys later, later on. But it, it's really been a team that really hasn't had identity. Who are the San Jose Sharks? And we never took them seriously. Even in Anaheim, we were more worried about the Kings than we were about the Sharks. And and that's the way we, I think everybody treated them. They were really, you know, it's a Rodney Dangerfield team. Nobody respected <laughs> them you know, for the longest time. <laughs> And, you know, they came very close recently, but now they've gone back to who they were again. You know, no identity, a, a mishmash of players, really nothing going forward. And it's unfortunate because, like you said, it's one of the top logos. I think the, I think the, the Mighty Ducks logo just smashed them when they first came in, but the, <laughs> I could be wrong. But I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, San Jose, for me, it's a bit of a stretch to say they're one of the best teams in the 90s, that's for sure. Uh We've said this on plenty of shows before. 
you get a hot goaltender, you can beat anybody. And that, that's what happened with the Sharks. Urbe yeah. Yeah. was just on fire. But well, let's move on to the, the mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Yeah, repping the old jersey here. Gotta <laughs> love it. Mighty Ducks, uh, founded in 93 by Walt Disney. Uh, the franchise was awarded uh, by the NHL in December of 92. In uh, March 1st, 93, the brand new uh, the Pond Arena uh, was located near Disneyland, and that's where the team's name was announced. The team was inspired by, obviously, the 1992 movie Mighty Ducks. Uh, the Ducks had brought in Jack Pereira, who actually helped create the expansion team for San Jose uh, to be their general manager. Uh, the Ducks selected Ron Wilson to be their first head coach in team history. Um, the Ducks and the, and the Florida Panthers, they filled out their rosters in the 93 expansion draft and the 93 uh, NHL uh, entry draft. Um, our focus was on defense, led by um, uh, picking up goaltenders Guy Bear, Glenn Healy uh, being their first picks, followed by Alexei uh, Kostatanov and Stephen King. The Ducks selected fourth overall pick, Paul Correa, uh, who would turn out to be obviously the face of the franchise for many years. Uh, the resulting roster actually had the lowest payroll at the time of only $7.9 million. So wow. that's wow. pretty impressive uh, considering their record that year, uh, smashing the expansion team wins record with 33 wins, which the Panthers also got that season too. They both tied with 33 wins. But they had a nice one-two punch in the 90s with Korea, Solane in that first decade. Um, they, would, they would both win individual awards. Uh, Solane won the, won the Richard Trophy, Rocket Richard. Uh, team was led by Troy Loney as the captain, though. They finished, like I said, with 33 wins. Um, the Ducks sold out 27 of 41 of their home games that season, including the last 25 filling the Arrowhead Pond in 98.9% of the season capacity. Uh, their licensed merchandise shot to number one in sales among all NHL clubs. They actually accounted for 80% of the NHL's merchandise sales. 80%, just one team, which is pretty impressive. Then the shortened season, 94-95, that's when Paul Correa debuted. Um, he had played 47 of the team's 48 games, scoring 39 points, 18 goals. Uh, within the first 10 years, obviously... You know, they didn't win any uh, championships, but they did uh, in the first decade win, win the Western Conference title, and then they would later win the, the Stanley Cup three years after that. They are the fifth fastest expansion team to win a Stanley Cup in the history um, of the NHL, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Brotherly Puck listed them as the number three best expansion team in, in the history of the NHL. Without a doubt, the Ducks are one of the most recognizable of the NHL expansion teams in the 90s. So, Bobby, I mean, of course, we're going to want to hear about the dynamic duo there that you guys had. But yeah. my, my first question would be, there's some Penguins fans here. Troy Loney was the original captain there. How did he do as captain? And, and tell us about the dynamic duo and your time there in Anaheim. Well, the first thing uh, when I met Troy, I, I went up to him and shook his hand and said, Troy, good scrap. Because the last time I played against him, I, I ended up fighting Troy Loney. We ended up being on the same team. And it was, um, you know, Troy was a, a great guy. Uh, honestly, he's one of the nicest guys that, that you know, in the NHL. Uh, not too many guys will be saying anything bad about the guy. He was a true competitor. Um, you know, he, he was one of the veteran guys. I think he was, pro him and Randy Labusser, I think, were the oldest guys on the team at that time. And, you know, Troy was, you know, get, getting up there in, in, in age and also, he was having trouble with his knees a little bit. And it was, it was you know, you could tell that he, it was a little bit tough for him at times. But, you know, great guy, great captain, uh, pure pure professional. I can only say good things about Troy. You know, going in, uh, going into expansion, you know, we, we didn't know what to expect. I mean, I'm sure Florida will tell you the same thing. You just don't know what to expect. We knew what the Sharks did. And in the past, we're going, oh, but we can't be that. You know, we need to be better than that. And... You know, going in, I never, when I got picked up an expansion, I knew I was going to go an expansion. I just didn't know where. And and I heard that I went to Anaheim. I'm going, I was disappointed because I, you know, I'm an East Coast guy. I wanted to go to Florida. And then when I got to California, they brought the whole team in. And we're driving down from the airport, from, was at John Wayne Airport. And I'm looking out there and seeing all the palm trees and the, near the ocean. And I'm going, hmm, I think I'm going to like this place. You know, and 
we ended up going going to uh, we we all met together for the first time, and it was instant chemistry. You know, we had the we had the 25th anniversary a couple of years ago, and it's like we never stopped seeing each other. It was like from day one we were best buddies. We went through we went through tough times together. You know, in Anaheim in the beginning, and we really fought through it. it took us two years to. Uh, you know, the third year we ended up making the playoffs. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Thomas uh, Sandstrom came to our uh, came to our team from Detroit after winning the Stanley Cup. When Detroit beat us the year before in the second round of the playoffs. They beat us four straight, but three of them were there in overtime. We lost in overtime to them. And that was the year that they finally won the Stanley Cup was that year. And I talked to Sandstrom and he goes, do you realize out of all the teams we played, Anaheim was our toughest series by far. And they beat us four straight. They, you know what? It was a war against those guys. And that's how we created our identity. It was, it was a hardworking team with some skill. You know, we, we, we had Yari Curry came in. Brian Bellows came in. Some of the older older guard that really helped us push us over the hump. And, and for myself personally, I have only good memories about Anaheim. I mean, it was the best. Uh, the, the coaching staff was great. Uh, Jack Ferraro, who you mentioned, was a great guy. Uh, you know, the, there's so many, so many things that were so good there. A beautiful arena it was top notch in the league at that time. Only good things. Uh, and, and, you know, when they picked up Timo Solani, they ended up getting him for Chad Kilger. You know, um, Chad was a great guy. Uh, and Oleg, uh, I think Oleg Tverdowski, he went the other right. way also. Uh, I remember it's like, okay, we lost two good young talents, but when Timo came in, it's like, whoa, all of a sudden we went from pretender to contender overnight. I mean, and, and, and you know, the stats speak for themselves. Those two guys plus the, uh, a, a mishmash of other guys, you know, we end up getting, you know, Freddie Olsen came in, J.J. Daniel, a bunch of good players started coming in. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, what a team. And, you know, to touch on that subject about the lowest salary in the league, I think the highest paid guy at that time was making about three fifty. $350,000 in Southern California. Imagine nobody was living, nobody was buying Bentleys and, and uh, big Mercedes. It was all comfortable and, you know, economical. And, and that, that grew exponentially when, you know, I'll touch on a quick story. When, when, Tim, uh, when Paul Korea was holding out for his contract, uh, you know, it was Michael Eisner said, there's no way I'm giving a, a young guy $2 million a year. He held out. We ended up going one and nine. They signed him really quick, and all of a sudden, the team took off again. I mean, it was not a coincidence that that's how good those guys were. And, and you know, for myself, again, it, it was a great, great memory. And uh, I'm a little bit biased, but I think that, you know, Anaheim was up there with Florida and, you know, the next team coming up, which is Ottawa. Some of that Disney money, they could afford to pay whoever they want, right? Yeah, but you know what, Disney, the reason why they had a lot of money is because they didn't like to spend it. <laughs> they like go. to keep their money. Trust me on that one. <laughs> well, let, let's move on to our final team tonight. That's going to be the Ottawa Senators. So 92 expansion draft, they came in with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, they did get the first pick in that expansion draft. They took goalie Peter Sidorkovich. Um Later on in that draft, they picked up Sylvain Turgeon, who was a very solid player. Mark Lamb, I was always a fan of his. Their first captain was Lori Boschman. Um, the longest tenured captain in the 90s was Randy Cunningworth. So their best season in the 90s was uh, 44 wins, 15 ties, 103 points, and that came in 1999. They were third best in the league that year, and they won their division. Um, they made the playoffs three times in the 90s. They did win one round. Um, the team's first ever draft pick, and things didn't start out very well for Ottawa. First draft pick was Alexa Yashin, and uh, basically there's stories as to why he couldn't come over from Russia, but let's just say he couldn't get out of Russia. Um, so we'll, we'll say that and go with that for now. But this is a guy who went on. He got over 400 points in the 90s once he did get there. Um but to team that up, and then the next – he was their very first pick, and then the next year their first overall pick was Alexander Digg. Um, he's called a bust. I, he was supposed to be like, you know, there were comparisons to some of the great players at that time. I'm not one of the people that consider him a bust. I don't think someone who 
spent nine years in the NHL and he had two two twenty goal seasons. I, I don't think that's a joke. I don't think that's a bust. I think that's it's not a, a, a number one pick uh, overall career, but it's a very solid NHL career. So I, I hate when people get down on him a lot. But um, 92-95, th- between those years, was just disastrous. But 96, they brought in a new coach, Jocks Martin. Um, he took him to the playoffs every season that he was there. Um, standout players in the 90s, I already mentioned Yashin. They had uh, Sean McEachern, who scored 95 goals from them. Daniel Alfredson came in in the 90s, 269 points during the 90s. Um, defensively, Wade Redden, very solid defenseman, 117 points, plus 24. Jason York had 102 points. He was plus 14. Their best goalie in the 90s, got, it's got to go to Ron Tugnut, 72-51-25 with a 2.32 goals against the 906 save percentage. So that's pretty solid for that era. Um, I, I'm... I'm not going to say that Ottawa was the best team in the 90s, even though that's my argument tonight. I, I think they they had a really bad start, much like San Jose. But once they made that coaching change in 96, they may have been the best team moving forward there in the, the rest of the 90s. So we'll, we'll see what everybody's opinion is on that. But, Bobby, um, so I, I come to you with Ottawa. Much like San Jose, they were not very good at the beginning. I want to say it was like nine wins, 12 wins, 10 wins. Those first few seasons were disastrous. I mean, what were your thoughts on the Ottawa Senators? Well, you're right. In the beginning, it's it's uh, it's a disaster for most teams. I mean, what, what Florida did and, and Anaheim did and even Vegas did now, it's an exception to the rule. That's just called that because you really don't know what you're going to get. You know, you end up getting a lot of fillers, uh, uh, a lot of guys you're just unsure or they had potential and they just didn't go where they went. I thought that, you know, I know you touched on Alexander Day. Uh, I believe he was a very good hockey player. I really do. But, you know, I didn't know him personally, but the rumor mill around him was his priority was not hockey. And I think that was his biggest hiccup. His priority was business, was about uh, Popularize, popularizing himself, making himself a, a commodity, if you want to call it that. And I, I think I think he I think he overstepped his I think he should have been more patient, build a hockey player first and the rest will follow. And I think he got confused in his career. And I think guys, you know, teams didn't take him seriously. Well, if you're not gonna take the game seriously, we don't want to take you seriously. So it really snowballed into that. And unfortunately for him he fell in that in that trap. You know, myself personally, I got picked up uh, as a as a free agent. I was in Manitoba. Uh, I I believe at that no, no I was, I was in, actually I was in Long was I in Long Beach or was it Manitoba? I was in one or the other. And um, you know, Ottawa picked me up, and and they say, come on out, and they they signed me to a contract. But I knew at that time, uh, it actually it was it was 2000 2001. And uh, I knew at that time that San Jose was also interested in me. But, uh, you know, ended up that, uh, you know, Ottawa picked me up. I ended up playing one game against the Rangers, had a great night. I had like one assist or two assists, and I was plus two that night. And the very next day, we're playing against against Nashville at home. So I'm at pregame lunch. I get a phone call at the restaurant. It was uh, Marshall Johnson called me up and said, Bob, you got picked up in an expansion uh, in, on waivers. I go, what do you mean? He says, well, we didn't protect you, thinking nobody was going to pick you up right away. I had like 48 <laughs> hours to get picked up. So the very next day, I said, I said, I said Marshall, I don't want to go because Ottawa was that close to winning a Stanley Cup. They ended up going to the finals. That's the time when they went to the finals a couple of years in a row and just couldn't pull the trigger. So I knew maybe I could be that guy to help them out to get to that next level. I'm not saying I'm a difference maker, but they were missing a little bit of North American grit on the back end. And I was hoping to be that guy. I ended up going to Calgary 24 hours later, which was yeah. I disappointed. And I thought that that spurt their late 90s, early 2000s, Ottawa was a team to be with, you know, with, with Jacques Martin and, and gang. It was a great hockey team back then. And they lost a little bit of their identity with time going on. And, and it, it became a little bit inconsistent, and they are where they are today, today because of, I think, personally, personally, I think because of management and how it was mismanaged in a lot of ways. 
So they end up going in a bunch of different directions, different coaching staff, different management, different personnel. And it's pretty hard to build something consistently when, when you don't have that kind of solid foundation. So at one point, I think Ottawa was one of the better teams. Well, let's move into our vote tonight. Gentlemen, you cannot vote for your own. Kevin, you're up first. Uh, kind of debating between uh, Florida and Ottawa. Ottawa, man, that some of the players you listed off there, that's pretty impressive. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel, I feel Florida, though, was a little bit more successful up front um, early on. So we're going to have to go with Florida. Okay. Rollo? We got to go with the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. <clears throat> Brian? Um, yeah, I, I, I got to go with the Ducks, too. I mean, that, that whole thing, the transition in, you know, from the movie into you know, making the franchise and just take it off and have a lot of success, That yeah, definitely the Ducks. So I, I was debating coming into this. I wanted to hear the arguments like I, I normally do, but uh, – I find the Ducks and Panthers to be pretty even as far as that goes. I guess I'm going to vote for the Panthers only because they did make it to that one Stanley Cup in the 90s. So I give them just the slightest of edge. I think Anaheim had better players throughout the 90s uh, if we're looking as far as a roster goes. But but making it to the Cup, what, three years in? I think, yeah, they were three, two or three years. Yeah, third, third season, I, yeah. Third season, that, that's pretty impressive. And you mentioned who they took out. And, yeah, I didn't like the trap. And and I don't think – I mean, Colorado pretty much obliterated them in the finals. And I don't think they would have beat Pittsburgh if Ron Francis was in that series. Um, but I'm going to give my vote to the Panthers. Bobby, you can pick any of the teams. You can break our tie. Who are you going with? Well, for, for my, myself personally, uh, I mean, I don't want to be a homer and say Anaheim. And somebody, I'm trying to you weigh can be a the whole picture. <laughs> I'm trying to weigh the whole picture, and I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you know for for I'm gonna, I'm gonna say late '90s, early 2000s. I I really thought that Ottawa was a, a very good hockey team. I know we're not talking 2000s, but they sort of like just it was there. You know, they were that was their their little 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 sprint. They picked up a lot of great hockey players. You know, I mean, Anaheim got Tamu through through uh, through a trade, but you know, Ottawa did draft and, and groom a lot of their players. I mean, they they became a really good hockey, solid hockey team. So, so all that being said, I'm going with the guy with the funny eye tech helmet behind you. Okay. <laughs> so that's three for the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim and a win for the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim tonight. Let's uh, let's Kevin got that win. So let's move into our Q and A. Kevin, you get first question for our guest. So, what was your most memorable season uh, throughout your NHL days, and why? Well, I I really think for, for myself personally, it was the uh, the expansion year in in Anaheim, believe it or not, and and why? Because of uh, you know it it was a bunch of guys like like myself. I I belonged to Detroit. I couldn't beat Nick Lidstrom out of a job. I couldn't beat Constantina out of a job. Brad McCrimmon was an established veteran. Steve Chason was a great hockey player back then. I just couldn't crack that lineup. And, and going to Anaheim, we basically showed up there. And, you know, Ron Wilson said, who wants a job? It's here. There's no veteran here. There's no anybody who wants to play is going to play. And, and you know, I took, it as, I took it as a challenge. I'm a guy that doesn't like to lose at any time. I went in there with an open mind. I said, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help, uh, you know, Anaheim win. And, you know, for myself personally, my career, I mean, going into Anaheim at that time, I think I had 130 games, 140 games, and I ended up finishing with 650 after that. So Anaheim really helped kickstart my career at an older age. You know, it's like me coming out of, out of college, and all of a sudden I was 25 years old. Here's a job for you, now go out and earn it. And I, I took full advantage of it, played 500 games plus, after Anaheim days. So we'll go Brian Rollo, me. Okay, Bobby, What in 1998, you were dealt to the Edmonton Oilers, and then you were part of a great opening round playoff series as your seven-seed Oilers upset the two-seed Colorado Avalanche, uh, winning game five, game six, and game seven. So what was it like to be a part of that, and what sparked that great comeback in that series? 
Well, uh, I'll tell you what, we, we knew we had a, a, a very good hockey team. You know, we, we were, I, I don't think we were Stanley Cup favorites, let's say at that time, but I really believe that we thought we had a great hockey team. We could beat anybody at any time. You know, our, our Achilles heel at that time in Edmonton was the Dallas Stars. I mean, it, it was, you know, but they were a veteran team. They were a great team. They ended up winning the Stanley Cup. They, you know, they went to the finals. There, it was a team that was tough to beat because we lacked a lot of experience. And, you know, we, we beat Colorado because I thought we wanted a lot more at that time. You know, we were a great hockey team. We knew it. You know, a quick story, game seven, Glenn Saylor comes down. He says, if you score four goals against them and you win, I'm going to give you a flight anywhere Canadian Airlines flight fly each or two and he says if you shut them out I'll give you each a set of golf clubs at the same time <laughs> oh we end up winning four nothing we got both wow. <laughs> <laughs> In game seven, it was a great you know it, it was a great uh, a great time I was a little bit disappointed when I got traded out of Edmonton because I knew that team was was very very good and I asked Glenn Sayler I said Glenn why did you trade me he says, Bobby, he says, it's budget. Here it's budget in Edmonton. You know, they didn't have much money. They were, I was making a certain amount of U.S. dollars back then. Uh, it wasn't high for the NHL, but for Edmonton it was. I ended up going to Pittsburgh, which was a great experience for myself too. I had a, I had a great season in Pittsburgh. I enjoyed it very much, you know, playing with Jagger, uh, Kovalev, and, you know, Straka, Lang, uh, the list goes on, Hatcher. I mean, it, it was, that was another team that was very, very close. I think to to winning to winning a Stanley Cup, and I think the Achilles heel at that time, I thought you know Tom Barrasso was a little bit on on the way out a little bit, and they hung on to him a little bit too long, and I think it that cost us going forward in 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 that, in that time frame. Rollo, <clears throat> Bobby, you played in a bunch of uh, great hockey towns with some really passionate fan bases. Which hockey fan base did you enjoy playing in front of the most? That's a great question. I, I played in a lot of a lot of hockey crazy spots, if you want to call it that. You know, I, I played in the battle, battle of Alberta for both teams. You know, uh, I, I played with the Nordiques when I, when I played against the Montreal Canadiens. People don't realize how bitter that was, that rivalry right there. They really didn't just we just didn't like it. I mean, I ended up fighting. John Cordick, who was a roommate the year before with me, we ended up fighting each other because uh, it was the Battle of Quebec. Uh, you know, playing in Pittsburgh, uh, the rivalry of Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, you know, uh, Eric Lindros was there, we had Jagger. It, it, was, it was bitter out there. Uh, I played in so many rivalries, it's, it's crazy. Uh, Anaheim with L.A., it was an instant rivalry, instant. You know, even though it was... Ex you know, the Kings went to the finals the year before we were at Anaheim. We ended up beating, a, beating them a couple times that year, the following year. It was that kind of rivalry. Now, for fan base, oh, that's a tough one. I mean, Pittsburgh was great. Anaheim was crazy. Uh, there's so many of them. Uh, it's, it's so hard to choose one because I, I really believe that it doesn't matter where you play. If, if your team is a winning team, you got great fans. I mean, it, it was great. Pittsburgh, we had a great hockey team. The fans were very accommodating. Uh, you know, Edmonton and, and Calgary, when I was there, the fans were hockey crazy. The Canada was a great place to play. Can I really put my finger on one? I, I really can't. I mean, un unless you really go to some places where, you know, they just weren't that great. I mean, I, I know we talked about expansion of Florida. Until recently... They've had some good teams, and the fans have just always been the other team's jerseys. I mean, you can't really choose Florida as a fan base, you know. But other teams, I can't put my finger on one. I really can't because I, I, there's so many great ones. So you mentioned Canada. Let's talk about the 94 World Championships. You get a gold medal, team's great performance, uh, especially by Bill Ranford, uh, friend of the show, been on the show, good guy. You win in shootouts against Finland, and that was can't I can't I couldn't believe this when I saw this. That was Canada's first gold since 1961 yeah. at the World Championships. Yeah. I was absolutely shocked when I saw that. Uh, you guys must have shut Canada down when you won that one. But uh, 
I assume you still have your medals, but you know, what, what did it mean to you be part of that team? I mean, just uh, almost an all-star team. You guys were, were stacked. Uh, so just your thoughts on that, that uh, performance and, and winning the gold medal. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, for, for, for just going back down memory lane, I remember they, they flew in a guy from the trail smoke eaters who was on that 61 team to talk about oh, the nice. championship. <laughs> and, and that's how it was. This old guy shows up. This is how it was. It was the best feeling. And for the longest time, Canada never never really won because they never really took it serious. I, I, I think in a lot of ways, they didn't take it serious. And 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 also, they, they weren't NHL guys. I mean, I, you know, when, when I went my year, uh, first of all, it was an honor and a privilege for myself. A guy that was playing in the minors uh, a year or two before, and all of a sudden, I'm playing with the best NHL players in the world championships. I went from obscurity to like being recognized as a good hockey player. And, and, and I went over there. I was pegged to be seventh, seventh defenseman, seventh, eighth defenseman. And I played my way onto there where I, I think I became in the top five guys. I wasn't there as an offensive threat. I was there as a shutdown, you know, steady any type guy. And I did the job for them. To win that championship, I, uh, I think that's one of the highlights of my career. Going like I said from before, from obscurity to winning a gold medal for Canada, and for a championship that the Europeans really take seriously. I mean, for them, world championships are more important than the Olympics. That's how it was for them. Hmm. So when we won it, it was really quite a feat. And like you said, Billy Ranford was unbelievable back then. He was uh, he was a force. He was a force. Luke Rubitai. Uh, unbelievable player, and you know you go down the list. If you if you really go and you you go on internet and you look and you look at that lineup of players, you look at all those guys, all those guys. A lot of the guys could be in the Hall of Fame or close to it, and that's how good that team was. And we went over there, and uh, you know Finland was a great team, and we ended up beating them in, in a shootout. I don't agree with the shootout uh, myself personally. I'm glad they they did done away with that finally. Because it's really not really a sad way to decide who's the champion. So, but that was a great feeling back then. One more each, guys, same order. <clears throat> so you played defense, and I know the the goalie and defenseman relationship is very important. So, who would you say was the best goalie uh, that you played with uh, in the NHL, and in regards to you know, communicating with each other and, and helping each other out? Well, I'll tell you what, Guy Bear was a very a good goalie, very vocal, talked a lot. Uh, Billy, Billy Radford, great goalie, talked a lot. Uh, who else is there? Uh, I play with a lot of, let's face it, goalies are a little bit special breed, right? They're, 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 they're not all out, they're not all normal. <laughs> you know, that, that, that being said, you know, I, I play with Brian Hayward in, 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 uh, in Winnipeg, great goalie. Um, I'm trying to think of who who would be the best one that I played with. Then, well, I mean, I played with Grant Fuhr his last year in Calgary. He was, but he was on the way out, so he had bad knees. He was not the same Grant Fuhr when I played against him when he was in Edmonton. That's for sure. That guy was an acrobat all over the place. So, you know, Nabokov in San Jose was a great goalie. Also, the you know, there's so many good goalies out there. The the ones that I think that are great goalies are the ones that are vocal out there to talk to defensemen a lot. Uh, they don't try to be fancy out there. They just do what I always tell goalies when I'm coaching them. Hey, look, I'm not going to be on your back. You have one thing and one thing only to do, stop pucks. You stop pucks the first shot, and you can see you stop them. And anything else, I, I, I demand defensemen to stop it. You can't always do it, but, you know, your goalie has to give you a chance every single night. There were some great goalies that I played for. Bobby, if I'm not mistaken, you're a native of Montreal. Uh, yes. But despite, you know, playing all the, for all those different teams, you never played for the Canadians themselves. Um, so, but what was it like to actually have the opportunity to call games for the Canadians uh, with TSN uh, 690? That had to be a cool experience. Well, it, you know, my, my last year, I ended up, I had an offer by Reja Wolf for one year for the Canadians. I did have it. And I turned it down. Uh, they ended up, they wanted to pay me in Canadian dollars at that time. It, I, I think it came up to about 500 Canadian uh, back in the day. 
and you know I end up signing with uh, I end up signing with San, San Jose and I was making I think five five fifty or some of that and and what the difference was is I got San Jose to commit to the first twenty five hundred dollars from what towards my rent unfortunately <laughs> I couldn't find anything under thirty five hundred in San Jose that's how expensive it was wow but, uh, you know back back to your 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 question is you know uh, I, as you can tell, I like to talk. I like to talk hockey. I could talk hockey till tomorrow. I like to discuss hockey. I don't think my way is the only way. I'm always open to new ideas and new things. And I, I, uh, I end up approaching TSN 690, and me and Sergio were up for the job. And when I was there, I ended up uh, sharing the year, the first year I was there. And it was a great experience for myself. Uh, I ended up doing some local local regional games for the Canadians on TV. Also, uh, my my only problem that I had being in Montreal is I never played for the Canadians, and I wasn't francophone. Like I could speak French pretty good. Uh, you know, growing up in, in Montreal, I, I learned how to speak French really well. But so I basically, I was a guy that was sort of in between. I never played for the Montreal Canadians, and I'm not a French Canadian. So the, the French networks didn't really want me for the French part. And the English part, they wanted the alumni. So in the end, huh. when, when, the, when it came up for a renewal, you know, they, they said, you know, Sergio uh, was going to get the job full time. And I said, well, okay, no problem. And, and uh, I ended up dabbling still a little bit for a little while after. But I, I came to my true calling, I believe, is, is you know, teaching. You know, teaching the game, uh, coaching the game. It's always been with the youth movement. I had my own hockey school, my own hockey camps for the longest time. And then when I turned 35 and I found out that Peter Svoboda was one of the owners for the Lausanne Hockey Club, I, uh, I contacted Peter and said, look, I'm 55 years old. I'm interested in trying something else. He says, give me a week. Call me back a week later. He says, okay, come on now. And the rest is history going forward. I dabbled in a lot of things. And it's always brought me full circle back into hockey. And, and here I am. <laughs> Bobby, your first NHL goal, do you yeah. remember the, the scoring? And do you, what can you tell us about that moment in your career? Well, let me ask you guys, did, did anybody see it? Did anybody go out there and check it out? My first goal in the National Hockey League. It's hard to find. <laughs> that is one actually, thing I did not check out. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and why I'm saying that, it was actually, if you, if you Google it, you go on Steve Eiserman's five-point night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it was his fourth or fifth point. He dangled a couple guys. I ended up picking it up. I was joining the rush. I came in on my backhand. I flipped it backhand right into the top corner, and you see the water bottle spinning out like that oh, nice. at Maple Leaf <laughs> Gardens. I was so pumped. It took me 88 games to score my first goal. I thought it was never going to go in. And I could score. It just never went in. I finally got my first one, Maple Leaf Gardens, Detroit Red Wings. And it was a great feeling. I still remember like it was yesterday. So I'm not sure about Rollo down there, but I know of the other two guys on here. I'm the only one to play defense. So <laughs> let me ask you a question. So you're the smart I, guy then. Okay. That's right. I was also a backup goaltender. But so I, I look at some of the lists of players that you played with. I'm talking like four groups. We got Eiserman, Solane, Yager, uh, Kovalev, you mentioned, Korea, just a great list of players. So if one of the, somebody's coming down on you one on one, who who's the least player during the that you would want to face on a one on one when during your playing time? Well, that's a that's a great question because I did play with a lot and I did play against a lot. Um and I and I'll be honest, I think my, my choice went on his game when he was really into playing and stuff like that. Toughest guy one-on-one, -on -one, bar none, Kovalev, bar none. Wow. You could ask a lot of guys, and I'm sure they would agree, when he's, when he's skating and moving, he's dangling, and he, he could use you for a screen, that little stick of his, he had a cannon, and a lot of people don't realize he played at around 220, 225. He was a strong man. He was a very strong man. All the skills in the world. 
the knock on Kobe was, as we all know, he was a part-timer. Sometimes he was into it and sometimes he wasn't. But when he was on, I heard Jaeger come out of his own mouth. Kobe, when you're on, man, you're the best in the world. So I came out of Jaeger's mouth in the dressing room. Wow. You know, I, I also heard Kobe saying another thing. It's a little bit of a funny thing here. You know, he told Darius Kasparaitis, out of all the talented Russian guys that we have in this league, why did we get you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, yeah. I want to I, I want to thank Bobby Dulles for joining us tonight. Just a, awesome to have it. You had a great career. I mean, you were really the backbone of that Ducks defense there for several years. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on. And, and we all want to wish you luck in your coaching position in Switzerland. And and uh, I know you mentioned you had a tour coming up of exhibitions. So we hope that goes well for you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hey, and you know what? If you want to check it out, you can check out some games on my sport. Uh, it's uh, you can get it on the internet. I'm sure you guys are probably live streaming. You could probably find it. It's actually great hockey. You know, uh, you know, we got Mike, we picked up Michael Raffle this year. Played in Dallas last year. We, you know, there's a lot of NHLers coming here now due to the KHL with all what's going on over there. So the league is, uh, you know, picked up. There's six imports per team right now. A lot of great hockey players out there, and uh, you know, check it out. And it's a lot of fun. Trust me, it's a lot of fun. Excellent. I'll remind everybody, hit that subscribe button. It, it may not mean anything to you guys, but it means a lot to us when you hit that subscribe button. So make sure you hit it. We'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Have a great night.